can race him. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up everybody, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is The Magic, <laughs> the Magic Mike Show, episode 373, Mr. Savage. <laughs> Tired huzzah. Oh my gosh, our voices are slowly kind of coming back a little bit. How are you doing? Well, are you you're back home? Good to see you, man. I'm, I'm back home, and yeah, it was a, it was a wild four days, right? We uh, drove about eight hours to be able to get to the track, then had all day at the track Friday, all day at the track Saturday. Headed back on Sunday, so I'd be back for Mother's Day dinner. So got back for that, which was nice. But yeah, it was a, it was a pretty pretty crazy four days, but it was a lot of fun. Definitely worth it. Great. Uh, glad to hear it. We're going to dive into a little bit more of today's show. Of course, we're talking about all things Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks for the whole weekend. But Mike Samich, this was your first time being at Churchill for the Derby and for the Oaks. So we are going to get into hearing a little bit about your experience as well. Overall, good experience. Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was a blast. I'm um, we, We're fortunate, man. To have press passes makes a big difference because you're able to just kind of wander wherever you want. I'm not a huge fan of crowds. And let me tell you, holy crap, there's a lot of people there. I think there's 100,000 people on Friday, 147,000 people on Saturday. We were fortunate enough to be able to go in an area a little less crowded. But in general, it took about 20 minutes to bet. One of the wildest things is that now uh, alcohol and food, any, really any drink and food is included. So you walk into the gates and there's someone standing there just yelling, free beer, yeah, free beer. And you just, you've never heard that in a stadium before or any sporting event for that matter. So that was, that was a little wild, but it kind of set the tone for the week. They were also giving away the glasses, which was kind of cool. So if you've got a mint julep, you got it in a derby glass. So I got a set of four of those that I brought back, things like that, that were a lot of fun. A um, ton of a different events going on, a bunch of different booths. Uh, it, I'd say it's one of those things where you definitely should try and to experience it once, but it's getting more and more expensive too. I mean, tickets were, were wildly expensive and I'm going to be honest, I missed you a little bit on this live stream. You're just holding it down by yourself over here. Uh, listen, it was a, it was a good time on the live stream, seven hours covering all of the graded stakes or stakes action, I should say, um, Saturday at Churchill Downs. It was a lot of fun. Had had some people, I see Shadi's back in the chat. Uh, she was helping hold it down. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, watching it from this angle, but, uh, I've got to say, I don't know that they're going to let any of us back to the Derby anymore. Cause if you look back. You've got 2018, <laughs> the whole Justify situation. Aaron, Jared, Slim, they were all over Justify. They, they, well, I'm going to blame them for that one a little bit. Uh, 2019, um, Maximum Security, that was my first derby. I was told I wasn't allowed back. And then you have COVID, so it gets pushed to December. And then you have Medina Spirit and disqualification last year. And we're like, hey, we're like, as we're leading into the gate, Slim's like, guys, on the live stream, we're back to normal. Things are here. And then an 80 to one shot springs the second longest price in 148 years that this race yeah. has been run. Number two all time. It's been a minute. I think it's the number three, third highest, like Breeders' Cup or uh, or Derby winner, Breeders' Cup or Triple Crown winner ever. I think it was like 133 to one in '93. Bailey was on like a Braxis or something like that. Um, and then obviously, yeah, I think it was 1913 Derby that you were mentioning was the highest Derby Derby winner ever. So it's just wild, yeah. wild, wild results. Who like? We did all this in, like, the fastest pace ever in the Derby. I, I was like, really? Come on, guys. Like, the Classic Causeway misses the break, and we're going to go the fastest we've ever gone in the Derby? What, what the heck are we doing? We don't need to be doing this. We uh, 20, 21 and change, 47 and change. Uh, just, just, or 45 and change. 45 I'm sorry. Just, and change. 
just wild, man. And then and then Messier makes a move into a 110-6 furlongs. I'm like, Velasquez, what are we doing here? Come on, man. Just just wait. Just wait. And he, he did not want to wait. Nor Well, he was too close, too. But we'll get into all of that uh, derby talk, I'm sure, soon. I was going to say, we're already uh, spiraling into it. Um, it was a great weekend overall. Thank you again for the, for the kind words from everybody. We had uh, That was the most watched video we've ever had, but we had uh, 3,500 people roughly watching at any given point. So that was pretty damn awesome as well. Um, a little overwhelming. Uh, I'm used to, you know, right now we've got 44 of you, and that's great. We love each and every one of you. We're used to, uh, you know, a few hundred at most, and suddenly, like, the numbers start spiking, and I started, I was going... Uh, <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> People are showing up, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. But Mike, the folks in the chat—they're all here to talk about Kentucky Derby. So let's get into it. Riders up! I like this comment. Anybody who bet on Rich Strick can now buy everybody else a whole wardrobe of big boy pants. There's uh, There's been some good comments. from, And I don't think any of these are from people who bet Rich Strick. It's just kind of funny to see. Oh, it's it's, it's amazing, man. I'm like it, I, We were talking about this, too. If the horse was named Strike It Rich, what would it have gone at, off at versus Rich Strike? Because I bet it would have gone off significantly low if it was named Strike It Rich versus Rich Strike. Just because the number – everyone who bet this horse, there's three ways you got to it, right? Either you love Turfway Park and you just you just went for it. You thought the pace was absolutely meltdown to the point where anyone could win, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a second here. Your name was Rich. You liked the number 21, or you threw, threw a dart, or you hit the all button. That's pretty much it. I mean, there, there's really not any like logical handicapping angle, even after the race that you go to, and you can say, yep, I was totally going to use this horse. I totally had this horse. It, it was really like – and we'll talk about the pace because I think the pace set it up variance – but this store still had to run. And, and like, I don't want to take anything away from Rich Strike. I am going to bag on a little bit about the pace. But he also came home. If you flip over to the incremental pace there real quick on this page, I want to make sure I point this out right away. 24.83 for the final quarter of a mile. You're like, oh, that's higher than 12s. That's the fastest final quarter of a mile by a winner since 2013 at least. I didn't go further back in the charts. But since the points there, that's the fastest final quarter Faster of a mile by, orb, even. Okay. by any horse in the points arrow system. So, like – just wild how fast this horse actually came home at the end of this. Now, the time was slow compared to other winners. I authentic did it in two minutes and had a 25 and change last quarter. So the time was a little bit slower than some of those other races. But this final quarter of a mile was very good. And when you compare it to like Mo Donegal, who runs that final quarter in 25.56, by the way, there's no turn involved in that final quarter. That is a straight run down the stretch. He beat Mo Donegal by five lengths. Like, so you kind of look at this and you're like, well, he really ran well late in that race. You really can't take it away from him. The ride from Sonny Leon was was really well-timed and saved a ton of ground. And that's really what made the difference is that as everyone else fanned out wide to try and get their horse open in the stretch, he was just patiently on the rail. And he goes too wide, essentially, having to go around Messier. Well, everyone else was five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten wide. And that loss of ground, plus how well Rich Strike came home, was the difference maker. Um, all right. So we've said the nice thing about Rich Strike, right? Can we get into some things that kind of piss me off now that I've had time to for the shock of Epicenter losing to wear off? Sure. I'm going to sound a little bitter. I had no money uh, on Epicenter. I had a $10 future bet when he was 13 to 1. That's all I had riding on Epicenter. I was betting the live bankroll article. I had a lot of money wrapped up in Taba. My sour grapes are about the two goddamn Dubai horses that did not belong in the Kentucky Derby. I'm gonna Aaron's idea about this going down to 14th 
Perfect. You know what you do to get down to 14 from 20? You eliminate the two that don't belong from overseas. Um, look at the fact, like, this is supposed to be Japan. Like, everyone's like, oh, Japan, look at what they're doing. You know, Crown Pride won it made done. They sent that horse after summer's tomorrow in the dumbest, stupidest freaking thing they ever could have done. Why were they going so fast? Why was Crown Pride so fast? Summer's tomorrow, they got done. Barcelona's quote was like, yeah, he's probably going to be great at six furlongs. Why were you trying 10 if he is six furlong horse? Get out of here. Don't ever come back here. That was so stupid. You do not belong. Get the hell out of here. Crown Pride, follow him right the F out the door. I'm trying not to curse. Uh, get out of here. You don't belong either. Japan, you want to send a horse to the Kentucky Derby, send him to America, run in the Triple Crown prep races like everybody else does to qualify for the damn race. Get the hell out of my race. Ran over. Sorry. I mean, look, here's the thing. If it was win and you're in, which I think is what they should do for some of these prep races versus like points, if, it, if, if the UAE Derby was win and you're in, this race is completely different because then Summers Tomorrow, who finishes second, doesn't come over and doesn't press go, go crazy on the front. But let's also be fair. Look, John Velasquez messed the Messier ride up. What you do in a length off a 21 and change quarter, right? That's why I love Joel Rosario's ride. Like, I love Joel Rosario's ride. He, was, he sat further back than he ever had. His clock in his internal head was very good in this spot. He took his time. He waited. He made a very good move. He was ahead at the quarter pole. He did everything right. And a horse that ran the fastest final quarter in at least 10 years just beat him. Right. I mean, and that's that's the bottom line there. I love the way that he wrote it. But yeah, look, summer's tomorrow going nutty. And then the fact that you had all these horses, they're like, hey, we're just going to be close too. we're not going to sit back further than we normally would. We're just going to it's just like, you know, I, I just I couldn't believe that you had all of these other people who are like, I completely forgot that there's a clock and I don't need to be next to the lead. Like, the, yeah, anyway, I, I'm, with, I'm with you in the fact that we should have. Certain horses, yeah. Magic needs a Snickers, man. I, Actually, hey, I, Snickers is like my second favorite uh, candy bar. I will take a Snickers six days yeah. a week. The seventh one, he's just angry. Um, look, no, seventh day, I, I double up on payday. That's what I do. Jeez, all these peanut bars are terrible, man. Um, <laughs> it's it's interesting because like I would be interested to see what Crown Pride would have done without Summers tomorrow in that race because I don't like Crown Pride never really been like that forwardly placed before. I was surprised that was even the tactic. But then you watch those workouts. Multiple 46-second workouts, four and 11 days coming into it, clearly jacked up in all of those. So it was really interesting to kind of see how that played out. But, again, I mean, yeah, it, it totally reminds you of a pre-points race when you have sprinters out there going – because this is the fastest half mile ever in a derby, fastest opening quarter ever in a derby, right? Like, that's kind of what set up this rest of this race. And and we'll talk about – and I'm happy to talk about I know I've already seen comments in the chat. <laughs> let's talk about, you know, the, the Turfway Park race, and oh, let's God. talk about this, and let's talk about that. I, I think when you look at the overall race here, take nothing from it. Throw it all the freaking out. Like this whole thing, in my mind, is a scratch-off race. I generally like include, you know, I care about a, maybe – so if a, a full data point is one. The Derby, to me, is a point two. It's about a fifth of a normal data point. And generally, it's just for the Preakness. And sometimes the Belmont, sometimes the Travers horses like that. This race is a complete chuck for every one of these horses pretty much because this race is so wonky that if you go and you handicap off this race, you're going to crush yourself. If you go and like right now overseas, well, spoiler alert, Rich Strike is seven to one. Like, that is the biggest wedding funeral in the history of horse racing. Taking Rich Strike at seven to one in the Preakness is wild, wild. So like to me, this race is one of those where, look, a lot happened and a lot of it is really not accurate data points because of the way the pace was set up, the number of horses, the number of wide trips, the way that some of the jockeys sent here, it's just absolutely wild. 
He hasn't been seven to one since he was third in the first race after breaking his maiden for 30K last October. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you bet this horse anywhere close to seven to one with more than $2 because, hey, you bet him in the Derby and that's your thing, great. There's no logical reason to bet this horse at seven to one. Nothing well, about this makes sense. Well, on top of that, the horse pops a 101 buyer and it pops a career best time for him. And it's going to come back in the shortest turnaround time. So, like, bounce central here. Like, this is exactly what you're looking for when a horse bounces off a monster effort. That would be what this is. And, like, I went back and I watched this race a couple times. There's really not that much trouble at the gate. Classic Causeway, the main horse that was affected. Mo Donegal hit the gate. But he was where we thought he would be the first time through the stretch. So, I don't think that really overly affected Mo Donegal's trip. Um, I, like... Look, there wasn't that much trouble, but the pace is what created all of this trouble. And when you see, yeah, when you see horses running sub 23 opening quarters, and it's that many of them because all of those jockeys did not back off more than they should have. That's what I'm like. That's what frustrates me. But also in the moment, it would have to be impossibly hard for John Velasquez to be like, I think we're going 21. I'm going to sit 10 lengths off this lead when Messi has never been 10 lengths off the lead ever. So, like, I get that there's that struggle as well, but all of these data points make me think this data point, the Kentucky Derby, completely irrelevant when handicapping in the future. You're never going to get another situation like this. Never. With these horses in this spot. Never going to be 20 horses in the field. Never going to be like a 21 quarter again in any of these two-turn races that are for three-year-olds this year. So like all this whole data point is kind of just blah. I mean, we talk about like the Derby is is a case where, you know, for the second half of the year, a lot of these horses, we on the Magic Mike show will be like, hey, now they're getting back to what this horse is good at. Tis the bomb is going to be back on turf. Hey, he's back to what he's good at. Um, That's fair. I I mean, I probably shouldn't say never say never after what just happened. We had to talk about that as a a group before the show. We're like, we've got to stop. We just need to start saying not for me instead (laughs) of never going to happen because we just get a rich strike. I would rather I would rather take the stand, man. Like this, I I will. If anyone in the chat wants to offer me, I'll give anyone two to one that in another prep race going two turns this year, we don't see an eighty to one shot win after a twenty one second opening quarter. You can have every every three year old race for the rest of the year going two turns. It's the greatest stakes. I'm gonna win that bet a hundred out of a hundred years. I I seriously woke up Sunday morning going. Are we sure Epicenter didn't win the Kentucky Derby? <laughs> really? Like, like I, I went through a mini version of what Steve Asmussen did. I, and a big reason, again, I didn't have much money. It's just because this has been my my derby horse at my pick since uh, I love when he won the Gunrunner Stakes. And Mike, I, I've never followed. Usually when I'm like, hey, this is my derby horse in December, they're usually out by January. For him to make it this far and have that shot. <sighs> um, any other horses that you want to talk about? I know that you and Aaron Holtzman are going to do couple trip note videos kind of analyzing the stuff more in depth, but any other horses that really stood out to you? I mean, I'm hoping that we get more realistic spots for charge it next time out and I can bet him. I'm hoping Messier gets ignored because of this and I can bet him. I'm hoping that Zozos gets ignored because of this and I can, I can bet him because I thought Zozos race was actually very good considering how wide he was first turn so close to the pace. I, I think Zozos might be a pretty good horse. And I think it's really hidden inside this pat, this, this specific race because of how bad it was. Um, I'm looking forward to betting against Modongal again, because this was, if you're Modongal, this is what you wanted. They ran a 202 Derby after a 21 second opening quarter, and you were dead last. The, the winner was 80 to one and outside of you on the first turn. If you can't get it done here, I'm sorry. This this was your chance in these big spots. If you go back and you see Mo Donegal as a five to two favorite, that's that to me is a big time fade. Um, I, I cannot talk about how big Epicenter's race was. I thought he was by far the the most impressive horse in the race. I mean, outside of Rich Strike's final quarter, and again, I don't want to take 
this away from Rich Strike because he beat this field. I think that's important to say. The field didn't lose to Rich Strike. He beat them because he was faster than him, them coming back home. But the the race that Epicenter ran, if you look at the, the top, basically down to Tawny Port, down to Smile Happy, he was the highest one, and he was able to hold on for second there. And he looked like he was going to win when he opened up, and he was able to hold off Zanin. And Pratt gave Zanin a great ride as uh-huh. well. Um, those two horses I thought were good, but Zanin was more beneficial from a pace perspective. Epicenter was a little closer and Epicenter also moved a little earlier, which I thought, um, was, was made a little more difficult for, for him to hold as well as he did toward the end of it. So I, I think Epicenter proved his worth here. Great race from Epicenter. Um, I thought the trip on Zanin was wonderful. It's interesting that simplification misses the break and ends up fourth. That's so like, maybe don't go to the lead with simplification in the future. Uh, but a heck of a final quarter by Rich Strike to be able to get this job. We talked about it in the, the live stream. Uh, what, what is Simplification's best move? Is it to go and set, try and set the pace, but then you know he's going to fade? Or is it to try and close or, or, or stalk from way back? And, and But you're not going to win the derby with that. So he ends up doing the best thing here. Um, I th- wanted to throw this out. Curtis says he has an old ticket from Keeneland where he bet Rich Strike in that turf race. That uh, <laughs> uh, That is crazy. That's a souvenir to hold on to. Now, that is actually probably worth <laughs> Worth something a little bit. I completely agree with you. Dan Mason does too uh, about Zozos. By the way, Dan Mason, another MVP from the uh, from the live stream. Dan, are using different because his other one has his, his picture up. Sometimes he switches a different count. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Zozos. Uh, we talked about into the Derby. We we're like, man, if there's one horse that was hurt by that post draw, it was Zozos. And you talked about three wide, close to that pace. But look at the chart. This is something you taught me, Mike. And something that when a pace collapses that I really try and look for next level handicapping is where did everybody else fall off to? Like, who's the closest uh, front runner that stayed? Zozos still stayed ahead of half the field. Crown Pride yep. dropped anchor. Summer is tomorrow, I think, is still rounding the turn or trying. Oh, there he is. Yeah, dead last. Like, yeah. those horses completely fell apart. Zozos was right there with them, had a worse trip, a much worse trip, and still finished 10th. I think this horse is going to win a great stakes this year. Yeah, I mean, Zozos also wasn't uh, didn't save ground around either turn. I mean, you look at like Summers Tomorrow was on the lead, was on the rail too. I mean, Zozos I think was three or four wide around the first turn while sitting there in third. So he he's giving up ground from the outside. I, I don't think that the post mattered for Zozos to be honest, because I think Zozos would have he maybe would have finished sixth instead of tenth with a better post. He would have been on the pace either way, and you're not cracking the top four on the pace, right? So I think Zozos ran a hell of a race. I think you've got to upgrade him from whatever your thoughts were about Zozos. I think he is by far the best. This is weird. I'm going to say he's by far the best Brad Cox horse. And he was not the top finishing Brad Cox horse. Tony Port was that, right? But I think he was by far the best Brad Cox horse in this race. He's the one I want out of this race. And I I thought it was a great effort considering where he wants to run, how he wants to run, and how he actually ran in the race. Uh, One thing, so I would actually, aside from, you know, Taba losing losing a bunch of money on Taba there in the Derby, uh, you know, hindsight maybe wasn't the best bet. Um, This did make me quite happy. Bad for horses all weekend, eight complete dog shit. It was so great to see. Oh, and, and, and he had Armagnac win at Sandy, break his maiden at Sandy on Sunday. I'm like, there's your little, there's your win for the weekend, Bobby. Um, that was pretty great. Um, Vicky's brought this up a couple times. Epicenter versus Jack Christopher in the Traverse. Uh, you were there to talk about Jack Christopher, so we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but I, I just wanted to bring that up uh, because when we get to Jack Christopher's race, it'll be a little a little interesting. Are there any other horses here worth talking about? I don't I don't know if there's anyone that, you know, do we need to mention? I mean, I, I think that my, my biggest thing is if you liked anyone going into this race and they sucked, you should still like them coming out of this race. Anyone. Because to me, this race is a complete cross out for the mass majority of this field. I, like if you any, liked anyone who was more forwardly placed, you have a, a built in excuse. If you liked anybody in the back, 
you got to build an excuse. So, I, I mean, yeah, right. That's actually a great point. It would, would have been really fun if Zanin got to Epicenter's neck and there was no rich strike. Ironically, we're, a, we're on the rail. You can't see the one behind Leon's jockeys. We're like, happy Jack just won the Derby. Because, like, no way it was a 21. And so that was that. And then we, then we obviously that realized. So, like, to so many people, they thought happy Jack won the Kentucky. Wait, better, better version, better outcome, Rich Drake or happy Jack winning the Derby? Uh, Rich Strike, man. I mean, because this is just so, to me, this is, look, I, I wasn't going to have either of them. And the story behind which Rich Strike, I think, is at least unique to the general public. It kind of sucks because, like, the hardcore betters most likely lost a lot of money to the general public that's not going to churn very often, which is something that I don't think everyone talks about enough a little bit. Like, this is a day where a lot of times that that one-day money goes to, to the bankrolls of people that are playing every day, and it helps out those people that are playing every day to kind of keep the churn going. And, and this Rich Strike winning means that those people that are betting two bucks in every long shot or ten bucks here, my name is Rich, right? And they only bet the Derby Day. That's where a lot of this money flowed to. Because if if you had no outside money, I bet this horse is like, 150 to one if it's just like because honestly that's probably what he should have been based on form going yeah. into this race well and a lot of people that we heard from that were saying they bet because like oh i bet the long shot i always bet the longest shot i always do this or, or that and that's all up and they if it worked out for you i'm, I'm being honest however you got to the horse if you cashed it congrats cashing yep. 80 to one in the kentucky derby is something that only happens once every hundred and some years so congratulations you got to be part of that uh this is the horse i wanted to talk about Barbara Road got six. He almost cashed a check. The top five get paid in the Kentucky Derby. Mike, he almost was good enough to cash a check in the Kentucky Derby. You're right. He was. He was He was very, very close to, to be able to get that check. And honestly, like he he ran well. The pace set up well. I thought Raylu gave him a pretty good ride. And, and he was able to pick up the pieces on a lot of horses coming from back. This is what Barbara Road needed from a setup perspective. And then it gave him a shot of trying to really be able to, to pull forward. So, I mean, this, this set up well for him, and, and he took advantage of it, which is more than you can say for some other horses in the field. We had uh, someone reach out to us and say that they hit the Oaks Derby double. Uh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> Secret yeah. oath, who's logical into it? Or wait, no, I'm sorry. That's, that's the, the, yeah, that's the turf one. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's also very nice because that's for uh, 50 cents. Um, all right. We did. I wanted to. I knew Shadi was going to give me shit if I forgot about Barbara. All right. <laughs> turf. Oh, wait. You want to, let's do Preakness. Let's talk Preakness real quick before we get away yeah. from the three-year-old boys because we're going to fly through a lot of the rest of these here. Um, Preakness stakes. Let's switch over to this tab here. Here are the early overseas odds uh, from Bavada. Is that correct? Yep. This is from Bavada. Uh, for the 2022 Preakness Stakes, in less than two weeks at Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Epicenter, no surprise here, five to two favorite. Um, Secret Oath, four to one, no surprise. Zandon, four to one. Uh, he might not go early voting, six to one. That's good. Wait, I skipped over somebody, Mike. Who is that? Right between Epicenter and Secret Oath, who Creative Minister? Who was that? Creative person? Minister. He was the the sixth horse in the third race on the undercard on Sunday. I really hope he goes in his four to one because that is a wild underlay like i would not touch that horse anywhere near 15 to 21 something like that so absolutely wild and real quick i just want to say something turfway park has been very good the form coming out of turfway park has been very good i wouldn't call stolen base a turfway horse because i'm pretty sure he also ran over the turf last time i think it was at sam houston been, yeah he was um, in sam houston before and so i wouldn't call him necessarily a turfway horse i also like the derby like Anyone could have won that race from any set prep circuit. And so for me, that one, like the, the turfway form saying, well, because the derby of this, to me, that's kind of like a, if I'm ignoring the data point completely, I'm not going to give credit in certain spots to the data point. Right. And so I agree with you. Turfway horses have been running very, very good. Don't get me wrong. But I wouldn't say because of the derby, that's why turfway needs to be upgraded. I'd say they've been running well. The derby is an outlier point. But they have been running well all over the place. So and I, a, a credit to that, they increased their purses. 
at, yeah. at Turfway. That's a big reason why. So you're seeing better horses, better connections going there. So yeah, we'll and give them and they they did well at Keeneland too. Like there was a lot of Turfway sprinting horses that did well sprinting at Keeneland. So like again, credit to do to Turfway, better than past years, but not because of the Derby, because of everything else. Sorry, that's I just seen a lot of people say that, and I just want to comment on it. Dan, I know who the horse is. I wasn't being serious. Why the <laughs> F is there a Kenny McPeak horse that's a maiden win, an allowance win on Derby undercard day with an overblown buyer of 92? Why is he 4-1? to one? It's, Are it's the other wild. horses that bad? It's, it's wild to me. Well, Secret Oath just, just won the Oaks, and, and Creative Minister got a 92 and beat. What, who was it? You remember the 1A? The Baffert horse that you joked about? Oh, McLaren Vale. McLaren Vale was one of the favorites in that race. It's like, come on, guys. Like, and, and the 92 buyer is woefully short of what you'll need. So you're projecting a big-time improvement third time around two turns. And we always talk second time around two turns. Great logical improvement angle. That was second time around two turns. That's why I saw, you saw that logical improvement. So, yeah, uh, if we can get creative minutes or four to one, I think that'd be great. Honestly, if Secret Oath is four to one and somehow Epicenter's five to or two to five to two, I, I think that's if Epicenter's in this race and you get five to two, I think that's where my money is probably headed in this spot. Uh, it, you give me Epicenter in the Preakness at five to two. I'm like Super Mario. If Epicenter runs, I'm going to trust that Steve Asmussen has him ready. Steve, this is Steve Asmussen's baby because he said after or Sunday morning that the goal now is to figure out how to make sure he stays three-year-old champion. Not becomes. He's a stays three-year-old champion. So he believes that this is the best three-year-old. I, I kind of believe that. But um, we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, Dr. Miranda uh, got a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, – you could say deserve it shit. Uh, she took a very hard stance against Secret Oath and D. Wayne Lucas's training methods um, in the preview, and it didn't work out, but she's owning it. She says she still will not bet on Secret Oath in the Preakness. Um, with Assuming that what we see here, Mike, is the field for the Preakness stakes, I, I kind of get it. I mean, underneath, but I don't want to bet her at 4-1 to one against the boys when we saw what happened in the Arkansas Derby. Well, here's here's the problem. Four to one against this group of boys that's on here. Now, the, now people are saying in the chat, oh, this, these aren't accurate. You're right. This, the beauty of betting overseas, a lot of times there are horses in there that aren't going to run, which yep. eat up the juice, which allow you to get five to two on Epicenter if Epicenter ends up going. Now, if Epicenter announces he's officially going, that might drop to plus 150 real fast. So that that's you almost also get the opportunity, since everything has action, that you might lose before they're even in the gate. A scratch, you lose. That's why having some of these extra ones in help out. Like in due time, 25 to 1, officially announced out of the Derby. That's a juice reduction now, right? Because yep. the VIG goes away because that horse stays on the board. So that's why you can, we kind of look at these because some of these give you an opportunity to get those, those natural reductions. Um the thing with Secret Oath is he beat Cyberknife and or she she raced against she faced Cyberknife and Barbara Road who finished in front of her. Now she'd be facing Epicenter, Zandon, early voting. That, that is a completely different group of horses versus Cyberknife and Barbara Road. So I think that's where the four to one gets me, right? Where she was just four to one against a group of girls which are not as good as this group of boys, right? And and they, you know, we could talk about the Oaks, obviously, here in a little bit too. She ran an awesome race. A couple other horses didn't quite show up, which we'll talk about, including freaking Kathleen O. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like, there's this is a very, very deep Preakness field when you compare it to the Oaks and when you compare it to the Arkansas Derby. I, okay. So let's talk about it. First of all, it's, it sounds like Zandon may not go. 
uh, Chad Brown's on the fence because he's got early voting pointing to this, and early voting is owned by his number one owner of all time, Seth Klarman, and he will do what Seth Klarman wants to do, and everybody else kind of falls in line. Um, so early voting, if he goes to the Preakness, I really don't think Zandon goes. I think you save Zandon for the Belmont. Um, someone brought it up. It's hard to bring – there it is from Chris. Uh, it's hard to go to the Preakness after a very hard-fought battle like Zandon and Epicenter did. Um, I'm probably the minority here, Mike. I would like to see Epicenter wait. For the Belmont Stakes, I think with his uh, with his running style, he's well suited for Belmont. Everybody thinks Belmont; it's a mile and a half. You want closers? No, you unless there's a pace meltdown like the Derby. Normally, in the mile and a half Belmont, you want a horse that's going to be more forwardly placed and has the pedigree and stamina to go that mile and a half. That's the horse that usually can win the Belmont. I want him to wait for that. It's also you know two weeks after the the Derby for the Preakness, the Louisiana Derby. Asmussen loved that it. it was a larger gap to the Kentucky Derby to get him ready. So selfishly, that's what I'd like. But as Aaron will say, Jared, and probably you, if he's ready, run him in the Preakness, run him in the Preakness. Yeah, I mean, I would enter him um, and then take it from there to, in, in my mind. Because I also think, like, if you look at this list, uh, you know, in due time out, you, you got Morello, uh, who I don't think is going. We talked to the connections on Friday after the after the track. We're actually next to him in the bus line. Talked to him for about 30 minutes. I would be surprised <laughs> if, if Morello goes. Uh in that case, early voting is lone speed, and Epicenter is the lone horse sitting behind him. I kind of think Epicenter trips out if this is the yes. field, if you if you take out Morello and a couple others. And if that's the case, and I'm Steve Asterson, I want him in the race if he's good, right? If he's ready, yep. I, I want him in the race. So I would enter him, see how he's doing, see who else enters, and then make a decision because you can always scratch him and run him three weeks later. I agree with your point uh, on Zandon. I would expect early voting goes Preakness, Zandon goes Belmont uh, yep. because they are both more well fits for those two races and you also then get uh, a ready to go early voting and then a ready to go Zandon in the last two legs of the triple crown plus uh, for, uh you know this i meant to keep building off of that app whatever his next start is for epicenter you can start planning out you know you go jim dandy or haskell and then you go traverse and then you go classic and then boom 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 there's your you know there's your three-year-old year for epicenter and it's pretty great so um yep. you also you know epicenter gets compared a lot to midnight bourbon um they both have you know kind of front-running styles Winchell thoroughbred's own steve s houston train uh you know we thought midnight bourbon was going to win the preakness off the turn because he sat that exact trip you're talking about here and then freaking ron bauer caught him and i I swear to God, if that's Rich Strike, Mike, I might, I might lose it. I might well, lose uh, it on the live stream. Yeah, well, but that would make for good content then. It would make for uh, amazing content. Yes, I'll sacrifice myself for the good. Real quick, I want to bring up Shadi's comment here. Confused what happened to Messier and Taiba. I thought Messier actually ran a really good race, which is ironic because he ends up finishing like 14th um, and behind Taiba. But if you go back and you watch, like. Velasquez split horses, made a move into a 110, six furlongs, made the lead around the turn. And then the horse died. I mean, he was just way too close to the pace. Velasquez's clock didn't necessarily uh, it didn't necessarily properly analyze where he should have been with that race. And there was zero chance he was going to be able to hold on after going that fast early. So I think that the he got too caught up in the pace. Messier ran well to hit the lead and then just wasn't able to hold off everybody who was charging. Um, Taba was a little more of a head-scratcher for me. Clearly, the, the larger field affected him. He was further back than expected, was in between horses a lot, which he clearly did not like. Um, didn't really get in the clear and get to run at any point. So the, the lack of experience clearly affected Taba. Messier, I thought, actually ran pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, Chris in the chat agrees. So Messier was a lot better than Taba by a, was greater than Taba by a ton. Taba was sneaky trash. <laughs> Throughout, listen, I said it before, uh, no, I'm very, very pleased that the Baffert horses ate shit. We don't have to talk about them. Um, if they said, who is it? Taba is unknown for the Preakness right now. Um, Vla or, I'm sorry, Velasquez was on Messier. Velasquez is already on simplification because Jose Ortiz is riding 
early voting. It gets a little messy there, but uh, yeah, I love early voting for is a lone pace epicenter. If he's in, I think uh, definitely our pick. Mike, uh, let's rapid fire through some of the other stakes Saturday's card here real quick, just to get your thoughts from being at the track. Santine wins the Old Forester Bourbon Turf Classic Stakes by a neck over Mira Missions. Someone in the chat earlier wanted to know if Mira Missions' uh, amazing hang job in the stretch was just as impressive live as it was when we were watching on TV, because good God, that was impressive. Uh, Mira Mischief had no interest getting by. To be fair to Santine, uh, Mira Mischief was ahead. Or Mira Mission, I'm sorry, was ahead in this race. Mira Mission was ahead with with about a quarter mile to go. And Santine rallied and then Mira Mission engaged but could never get back by. So I don't, I don't know if she – if you make the lead, did you hang? I guess that's the real question, right? Or did you just – you know, you know – uh, let's just say that mirror mirror mission is probably a pack animal, not a not an alpha. When we like and just kind of leave it at that. But I, like as someone who had Santina, I was kind of happy with the result. Uh, but <laughs> it it was one of those things where it was just like, okay, yep, no, like this is. Uh, I, I thought I thought Santine was a better horse, but mirror mission definitely had every chance to get by and just didn't. I thought it was nice to see Santine get the win because he's a horse that's been sitting on this doorstep. We've been waiting ever since the Hollywood Derby last year, right? So uh, a fun horse. We're still not really sure what's going to happen. I think his odds will make him probably too low next time out. He was 7-1 to here. You'll probably see a lot less. And uh, remember, when we go to New York, remember what happened last year? Appleby sent over his B squad, and they just bitch slapped us in every uh, way possible, male and female, on the turf. So... Watch Santine closely. Watch those odds. Uh, Ed Amo was the one that we thought, you know, had a good chance here. Um, was the five to two favorite, less than five to two there. Uh, what were your opinions on Adamo and, and the Chad Brown horses before we move on? Honestly, Adamo hung like crazy the race before it, and, and it's starting to become one of those horses that runs to to the top three, but kind of burns money as a, a shorter price. So I would be awfully. Uh, it would have to be the right spot for me to be use, use Adamo again after the last race. And then this effort as well. I thought public sector was really disappointing um, coming off the layoff. Uh, a lot of people were like, oh, this is going to be Chad Brown's next big four-year-old, big jump from three to four-year-old season. Uh, public sector, sector did not run a step. So I, I, that's another one where I think it's going to be interesting where Chad Brown comes back with that horse. And then kind of I'm treading pretty lightly. Brown did not have a wonderful weekend himself. <laughs> Yeah, no, he had. It was a big wet fart in this race, but it was a wet fart of a weekend for him. Um, not, not that great for Chad Brown, but I don't th- well, you know what? Friday, he ha- he had an okay race on Friday. We can talk about. Um, we'll move back to Churchill Down Stakes. Holy uh, shit! How beautiful was Jackie's Warrior, Mike? She looked awesome when Sazine scratched. This was a pretty easy single in my mind because uh, oh, I thought I thought Sazine was the only other horse that really had a shot at her. And we talked about the Derby pace, right? And I think this is a great example where pace, pace makes the race like. Look at what happened to Jackie's Warrior versus Aloha West in the Breeders' Cup and a Jackie's Warrior versus Aloha West here, right? You have yep. horses inside, outside, 44 and change. Cook's Jackie's Warrior. He ends up running at the back of the pack. Today he gets to go 22 and 3, 45 and 2, and he wins the race going away, right? I mean, it's just everything's set up for Aloha West in the Breeders' Cup. This is one of those chances where you get to fade those horses where everything sets up for them and a spot where it won't set up for them. It's, and that's kind of one of those classic spots where you have to look at okay why did the horse win do we want to bet him back and aloha west is clearly one of those horses you didn't want to and jackie was one of those horses where you did because of the setup so you just got to make sure you take everything into account when looking at those back races i agree with davy strongest opinion of the whole weekend was jackie's war especially with Cezanne out it was like what exactly what yeah. you said you look at it the whole weekend a lot of people maybe we got better price here uh, even money 
It was four to five in the gate. Even money is fantastic. And I think people were a little scared of what they saw happen with the speed, Mike. And kind of, again, to your point, with the setup here, the reason Jackie's Warrior and Juju's map were able to go gate to wire as easily as they did, there was no other pace. When you had yep. races with pace in the dirt, like look at uh, She Dares the Devil, like couldn't hold on the La Troyenne stakes, right? That when there was any kind of a pace pressure, that's when it was bad to play pace. But alone speed, like Jackie's yeah. Warrior was like 30 points better, 28 points better from a time form early pace rating than the next horse. That is a significant advantage. You just have to, I mean, if, if Jackie's Warrior is 30 to 1, you have to play that because that's just too much of an advantage. A seven furlongs is a great distance for him, too, because generally you see just a little bit slower fractions at seven than you do six or, or six and a half. And that really lets you get away with it. Generally, the mile fractions are similar to the seven furlong fractions, which makes Jackie a little tired toward the end of that mile. I know Chris is saying can't wait to fate Jackie's Jackie in the Met mile. We'll see who else is there. She Again, if he gets pace pressure, then, yeah, I, I like I'm, I'm with you there. I but Jackie's Warrior is one of those horses that needs to take pace pressure. And even against life is good. I mean, at Saratoga with that horse essentially let life is good go by and was able to come right on back. So uh, I'm, I'm, you know, Jack's Warrior is a great horse. It's, it's when you have inside-outside pace pressure, it makes it really tough on him. The, the Met Mile is shaping up to be another one of those uh, five, six-horse fields where all five, six of them are bangers. We've got Flightline. We've got Speaker's Corner. We've got Jackie's Warrior. Uh, life is good, I think, is aiming for the Whitney, so he won't, we won't see him yet. But um, why is he wait? Well, to that point, Super Mario, why is Sadler waiting so long to run Flightline? Because he's as fragile as Taba. And, yeah. and when a horse is as fast as those horses uh, like that, it, they're so fragile. Like the tiniest thing can go wrong. So that's why they don't stay sound. McLean's music wins his debut with 110 buyer, and you never see him again because he's just too fragile. Um, yeah, Speaker's Corner versus Jackie's Warrior at a mile. Oh, oh, I think I like Speaker's Corner. Jackie's Warrior at a one-turn mile. The Pat Day mile, he almost got caught by Dream Shake. Yeah, I mean, well, Dreamshake also was second that whole race. Dreamshake ran huge there. Um, I want to see the field, man. I might take a closer in that race. If you got, because like <clears throat> Speaker's Corner wants to be forwardly placed too. Jack's Warrior is going to be obviously on the lead. So I, I would be interested to see if we get any type of pace pressure because I'd be pretty tempted to see if someone can come from behind. Jack Christopher, we're going to talk about. Jack Christopher should not go two turns. Give me that horse going one turn, seven furlongs, six furlongs a mile all day, every day, and he is elite. I, I faded him, and I will defend fading him to like the end of time because three to five was an awful price on Jack Christopher, even though he aired. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I agree with you. Uh, American Turf, let's get through this one real quick. Stolen base, Flavian Pratt and Mike Maker teaming up on the turf, and your 12 to 1 morning line got bet down to less than half that, uh, but it didn't matter. Pratt winning this thing going away. The biggest surprise to me, honestly, Balnikov got second in this field. Why and how did a California horse come over here? Not even a winning California horse come over here and do this. I don't understand. But uh, what do you think of this one? This was the most frustrating race in the card for me because I had Balnikov and Side Dog in the pick five. Oh, no. uh, and I didn't have stolen base. And Jared had stolen base right next to me and just screaming for the nine to get home for his win bet. And I'm sitting there like I'm trying to cash like a $15,000 pick five, which would have been busted in the derby. We would have been live too there. And like, I'm just like, really? That would have been worse. <laughs> really? Yeah, that actually would have been pretty painful, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I had, and I also had a pressed one through just Bolinkoff and Psydog. I, I actually like Bolinkoff in this spot. Stolen base ran big. I, I thought Bolinkoff was home on the top of the turn because it looked like he was going to go right on by and then flat got stolen base to re-engage. Uh, and stolen base looked good here. I really don't like much out of this race. Uh, portfolio company is a need the lead horse. Um, and so if he has the ability to get the lead, then he becomes a little bit better. 
Uh, I, I would probably give Dog a shot again. This was first off the layoff, first time I was a four-year-old, so I'm not going to take too much against him, but I would demand a little bit of value. Uh, probably see him in New York next. And Balikov, I think, is interesting. I thought he ran well, but I really, it, I'm not happy that he did, gave it up, which makes me less interested in betting him again. Uh, I think the biggest surprise to me was Bal- I was ready to fade Balnikov heavily, and uh, it didn't matter. I didn't have the uh, the winner. I think the winner I thought was like, oh, good is a long shot. Don't know if I like him to win. I like the Chad Brown horses and again. Wet fart for Chad Brown. Previous race obligatory. The Derby City Distaff Stakes. A tip of the cap to you, my friend, on the Magic Mike show. Uh, long before the scratch of Lady Rocket forced me to put obligatory on my ticket. Uh, obligatory was a horse you thought had several data points that said she could win, and only one that said she couldn't. So congratulations, you were right for the uh, millionth time on the show. This was the fun race of the day for me. I, I had this horse to win. I had this single in the pick five to start the press ticket. Uh, didn't go very deep in the spread ticket, so it was it was nice to be able to get obligatory win. And, and this horse came from a million back when you watched the race. I mean, just way out of it. I think she loves or the she. Yes, I think she loves Churchill. She needs a pace set up. Um, I'm probably going to try and fade her next time, even though we had her here, because I think she's now going to be. This is turning into one of those divisions where I don't want the favorite. Like where, like, because, and by the way, just one time was on the lead, which was wild too. Horse who came from all the way back at Keeneland last time out was on the lead in this spot. She tried but her this, old form; it didn't work. Yep, yeah, and this, this to me is just one of those where I'm going to probably fade, fade obligatory next time out because obligatory is going to get overbet, and you're going to get a better price on Kamari or Edgeway or, or whoever's in this race, or you know, Lady Rocket. Although Lady Rocket lost at Belmont yesterday, um, I, but the, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to demand value in this division because of how these horses run. Um, the question from Super Mario of why did Pratt go to the lead? If you look at her past form, until she came to Brad Cox, she was a lead type, and then she blew. She was just a complete mess and was forced to be way off the pace at Gulfstream and still won. So it worked out for her. She seemed like a tactical horse, but she got again. We talked about the pace pressure versus an easy pace. She got pressed by Center Isle. She couldn't hold on. Center Isle ends up being dead last in the race. But uh, you had the lack of Lady Rocket means when Lady Rocket scratched, the pace became wide open, and Pratt knew that, and Pratt, now she's on the rail, right? So now he's got to go with her. He's got one ch- one choice. So I don't I don't hate the decision. It just didn't work out for him. She also didn't break well at Keeneland. That's why she was last. Not necessarily because uh, – that's awesome, Vicky. Good to hear. Um, she didn't break well. That's why she was last. Not because she's devoid of speed. So you got to kind of look at why they were in the position, and she was able to make a huge run at Keeneland to be able to get the job done. I actually like Center Isle a little bit in this because I thought Center Isle would be the one that right. if, if they would go to the lead, especially if Pratt decided to back off a little bit. He got aggressive and tried to take it to him, and, hey, set it well up well for obligatory, so no complaints here. Uh, I hated Edgeway. I did with with the lack of Lady Rocket. I still hated Edgeway. I said she beat a bunch of bad California four and five horse fields. I think I was right. She <laughs> some yeah. you know, almost last there. So uh, as long as Edgeway remains outside of California, don't touch Edgeway. Uh, all right, now the horse that you want to talk about, Jack Christopher, uh, yeah. wins at three to five off of the long layoff. Papa Cap, my top pick in this. Boy, I thought I was I had a good looking one here for a little bit, but Jack Christopher just too tough. The buyer comes back as a 98, very strong off the bench. You see nice improvement here from Papa Cap and my prankster. But go back to what you talked about earlier, Mike. You said at three to five, even though the way he won happened that way, why was that the correct play against? Well, I just I this is my personal opinion, but I didn't think based on how long it took for this horse to come back, based on all the issues that we've heard during training, how fragile the horse seems to be. And the fact that if you go back and you look at that inflated buyer last time, that was clearly going to get bet. Three to five is just too short of a price with that many question marks in my mind, especially against a field that has enough horses that could pop up and get someone and a field that has enough speed that it could challenge Jack Christopher. He tried to go too fast early and they did. They went 45 and change. But you know what? 
the first two were just the best two horses, and, and Jack Christopher was able to run away from Papa Cap late. Um, used pranks, used Papa Cap, used my prankster, used O'Cap, and used Trafalgar, all at big time prices. But Jack Christopher was just too good for this field, and that that's part of horse racing. You gotta gotta kind of have an opinion, and sometimes you're gonna be wrong. But I, I'd much rather be wrong with a three to five shot and throwing them out than the other way around. So uh, I I was wildly impressed with Jack Christopher. I thought he was one of the most impressive horses all weekend. I don't want to see this horse with two turns. Let's just keep seven furlongs, one turn seven furlongs, one turn mile, maybe the, the Saratoga mile if you want to go that route, which is like ah, one and a half turns. But I, like they went fast. They went 45 and change, and he was dominant down the lane. So very, very good horse. Let's hope he can stay healthy, hope he can stay on the track, and let's keep him to one turn. I think it was like a bones for something like that that could they propped up that popped up. So it's something that uh, that made him miss the Breeders' Cup in all this time, or at least initially, why he lost time. So uh, I'm hoping that yeah, like you said, he can stay, um, stay, stay sound. I actually hope, selfishly again, that they send this horse to a true turn race, like a you know, an easier one to win. Maybe like the Jim Dandy. He goes and wins the Jim Dandy because then if they want to, if you win the Jim Dandy, you got to go to the Travers. And you put that horse at a mile and a quarter against Epicenter, and he comes off that two-turn win. People say, hey, he can do two turns. They're going to bet this horse into the ground, and we I don't care what price Epicenter is against him. It's going to make him that much better. So selfishly, I want to see that. But you're right. For the horse, one turn. I think it's be interesting where they put him next. I, I think you might see him going one turn against Olders. I, I don't think the Met Mile is a ridiculous spot, right? Uh, like Now, maybe they will end up staying in the three-year-old's grouping, but I wouldn't be shocked if you see him one turn around Older. He was, he was that good to me. And, and if – if he's fit and healthy and okay, they're going to try and get races into him because they realize that's not a guarantee. So I wouldn't be right. shocked if we, we try and come back pretty quickly here, maybe in three to four weeks, maybe four to five weeks, assuming he's okay. Uh, Woody Stevens, grade one, seven furlongs, Belmont, June 11th. Uh, there you go. Me, I think that's the race where he goes. Um, four to five weeks, one turn, graded. Let's do it. <laughs> Belmont stakes undercard. Seems like a great yeah. spot. And uh, I think – He's done okay at Belmont in the past. I think he's done okay there, so maybe he likes the track. Yep. Yeah, uh, my, my prankster also, I thought, ran really yes. well here. I, I, so I, the top three, I think, all ran really well. I actually don't think O'Captain or Trafalgar ran poorly either, but the top three, I think, all ran pretty good in this spot. I did want to give you a shout-out because when we did the uh, – on the Magic Mike Show last week, if you missed it, we did the all-dirt, all-stakes pick five, and this was obviously on the dirt. It was one of the races, and Mike used – uh, the second place horse, the third place horse, the fourth place horse, and the fifth place horse. And you said they were all logical horses to use because you were expecting a pace meltdown. You didn't get it, the pace meltdown necessarily. It, you were right about a pace meltdown, about a three-year-old dirt race for boys. You just picked the wrong race. Yeah. Uh, um, that to happen. Real quick, uh, yeah. Vicky. Um, Munnings. Munnings is on the top of Jack Christopher. So Munnings is Jack Christopher's dad. means he's a wonderful mud horse. But after a mile and 16th, it got, starts to get a little shaky. His dam and his two turns to build off, or his dam and his two siblings to race, both were 0 for going two turns as well, uh, to build off of what you're saying. So, yeah, yeah. The, the breeding, the way that he runs, there's something about. Um, if you watch the Champagne Stakes that he won last year, command performance was closing on him pretty well, and it seemed like he was getting a little short hoofed uh, in the stretch. Maybe he develops better as a three year old and can handle it. But and this was probably. That was probably the most disappointing horse in the race. Major General didn't run a step. I mean, didn't make the lead, didn't get pushed inside. I thought Major General was the horse that was going to be on the lead. Yeah. Ends up in third, catches kickback. His day was over. Not not a great race at all from him. I agree, agree with Greg. Uh, we talked about uh, with the Derby, with horses getting back to what they're good at. And I said I thought Papa Calf was a great one-turn horse. He didn't get the win, Mike, but this is another one, I think. Keep this horse at one turn. Uh, Papa Calf's not going to disappoint you. 
Next goes stakes. Kicked off the all dirt, all stakes pick five. Three technique starts off the. Uh, this should have been a sign of things to come. Where the f did this come from? Thirty six to one. Uh, gets the job done. First uh, graded stakes win for trainer or first stakes win. I'm sorry for trainer Jason Cook. So congratulations to him. Former claim. I, I man, I thought Injunction was going to take this, and South Bend was right there with him. And yeah, here comes three technique. Bye bye. <laughs> Yeah, this is pretty much like the this, this is the, how the whole weekend felt for me. Uh, I, I think I missed four races on the Derby card. It was three technique. It was Rich Strike. It was uh, Jack Christopher, which is obviously a logical one. And then the, the undercard where I didn't have the six. Um, so it's just a frustrating when you have all these sequences pounding up against each other where it's, you know, race one, pick five, race two, pick four, race four, pick five, race four, pick race five, pick four. And you get knocked out of like four sequences because of one of these. Yeah, three technique. I don't, I don't know how you see this coming. We talked about this race to open up the, the Magic Mike show um had the horses that ran second and third but this this three technique effort was uh surprising and when you look at the everything how it comes back like he's good enough to win the race if 91 wins that race it's just i don't think either of us expected that would win the race another turfway horse mike i forgot yeah well but the, is that turfway horses is that a turfway horse or a keeneland horse though that's the problem with turfway horses they come from everywhere so like you know or is that a new york horse because it ran at saratoga and belmont last year so it's i don't know that's my my struggle with Turfway is that it is a melting pot of horse racing. And so you have it's the same thing with Keeneland, which makes Keeneland difficult sometimes. You have all these different tracks, all these different groups coming together. You have it's the same thing with Kentucky Downs. If you have a big enough purse, everyone comes there and then everyone disperses from there to these different places. And it's hard to figure out, okay, what races were good, what weren't, how are people doing? I mean, based off of this chart, Visitant should be the best horse in the world, right? One back to back to back races at Turfway. That should be your Breeders' Cup sprint champion. Uh, so it's it's just tough with with the turfway form because then people say Keeneland and then it's you know anyway. Uh, felt bad for my friend's horse Frosted Grace. You'll get him next time. But if you look, he actually is was doing great at Delta Downs. Uh, go back to the bull ring. He was doing real great at Delta Downs. Yeah. Go back there, buddy. There's nothing wrong with that. Go win some races. Uh, the Kicking off the greatest stakes action or the stakes action on Saturday was the grade two distaff uh, turf mile stakes. And I want to talk about speak of the devil. Holy cow, Chad Brown unleashed a monster on us, didn't he? Yeah, I think we kind of knew it was coming, too. I mean, this horse was purchased for $2.2 million. Um, I, I thought this was the star of the, the whole weekend, to be honest. Like, love you, Rich Strike. Love you, Ch Jack Christopher. This is probably a Breeders' Cup mile favorite or close to it um, when we come right down to it. They went slow up front. 114 and three. And speak of the devil made them look like they were all standing still and comes home in 137 and two. I mean, just breathtaking turn of foot started to make a move around the top of the turn was almost in the lead by the end of the turn and just kind of ran away from them. Uh, look at that close 22.85. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, I, I, I like me some speak of the devil. I think this horse is amazing. I was just going to even do the math here. Look at that. She from the, uh, from the quarter to the eighth pole, when she really accelerated, when she really made that move, just about 11 seconds, she did that flat. That's freaking – and that's a – man, that's two turns. That is ridiculous. Uh, speak of the devil is ridiculous. That's pretty much all we can say about that one. Watch where she goes. Maybe this is the horse that can get us to beat the Europeans at Saratoga and Belmont on the turf. We'll find out. Well, she um, is a European. Like, go true. back if – if you go back and look who she faced, like, she was facing some of the best in Europe. That's true. They, they bought her for $2.2 .2 and then she comes over here and waxes an Italian. Like, waxes him. 
uh, Space Blues facing yeah. the boys in a group one uh, was a head and a nose away from a group one to Mother Earth. Uh, back yeah. here, uh, group one, where is it? Maybe it's a little back on our chart. Um, there, second by a nose in a group one at Deauville. And that's the Deauville, Longchamp, St. Cloud. Those are the big three in France. Chantilly is another one. Uh, you do well at those tracks. You are a damn good turf horse. Yeah. Poof. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up too. She had a lot of back class, and congratulations to uh, to the dudes because I know they pressed a very strong exacta. <laughs> the Chad Brown straight exacta worked out uh, very well. I saw that uh, posted. All right, Secret Oath ends Friday with us kind of scratching our heads. Not that she won. Uh, Echo Zulu, what happened, Mike? Where's the, the oh? Uh oh. Yeah, yeah, Kathleen, that was pretty frustrating. I, I, further back than you'd want, but just wasn't good enough. I mean, I think that's really the bottom line. Uh, I, I was kind of disappointed with this race overall. If you go down and you look at the time uh, and the internal fractions here, they go 22 and 2 to open the race. They never go 12s after that. So it wasn't that fast of a race. And the buyer kind of came back to support that it wasn't that fast of a race. Secret Oath just ran back to, I think it was a 93 or 94 buyer. So ran back to a race two back against the girls. And that was uh, good enough to get the job done here. And you look at some of the others down there, uh, it's regression for almost everybody else in the field. That's a little frustrating when you kind of go back and look at it. But I will also say, this is the race I was most upset at myself for. Mm-hmm. I, I should have had Secret Oath with Kathleen O if I, if I was spreading in any type of ticket. I, I, like, and I was, I was with Ness instead of Secret Oath. And I went back, you look at it, it's, it's a bummer. We also were talking about this before, how we want to try and figure out how to get the live feed going or into the live feed and talk about it at the track. I was standing in the paddock here with, I think it was Jared that race. Um, and he's like, this is a different horse in Oakland. She looks different than the Oakland Derby, or the Oklahoma Derby, ah, Arkansas Derby, where he's like, she just, she looks more fit. She looks bigger. She looks more muscular. She looks more toned. And she came out and she ran to that look. That would have been one of those times would have been nice because, yeah, and then she's very gettable here. That's the thing. If you go back, if you throw out the Arkansas Derby and you say, okay, it was trip trouble. Okay, it was this. Okay, it was that. Okay, she was facing, she was overhead. This race makes a ton of sense. I mean, it's just the progression up from there. And it, it just, it was frustrating not to have her, especially when you, you include the fact that she had Louise size coming aboard. So this one, I feel like of the weekend, this is the race I think I messed up the most on. I agree with you. I feel like we uh, may have overthought. We were so anti Cyberknife and Barber Road for good reason. We saw in the Derby, we were so anti those two horses that we let it cloud our opinion. And it really was the case of, I think, on the live stream um, Thursday night you guys did where you were even saying, like, like, I can't get past. Like, that was the deciding factor for some guys. So I understand it. Maybe we just overthought that a little bit. Nest ran very well in defeat. Um, uh, Kathleen O, maybe she was just too far back. You know, she and Shahama were dinking around back there. Maybe it was just a little too hard for them to accelerate. Echo Zulu, the news, they're going to try and keep her at one turn from here on out. So now, now we're going to cut her back after the Kentucky Oaks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's probably better to mile, better one turn. I think we've seen that consistently from her. She needs the right fields. I think that's a big part of it too. Uh, she needs to be in a spot where she doesn't take pace pressure. And if were she's in that spot. That she wasn't, that you, Geary, really did challenge her like that? Because we were a little surprised on the live stream. No, Yuri Yuri is at the time from a time point perspective, we're very equal. Equi- uh, Equinage had them very equal, so I, I wasn't that surprised, especially since Yuri Yuri drew inside. I thought that affected the decision making process where you kind of had to go because you didn't really want to like sit. If you if you give up the rail, you're full length behind uh, Echo Zulu, and then you have to swing into the two path against Echo Zulu. So you're telling me you can give up a, a length, face kickback, and then go too wide, and you're going to beat Echo Zulu? Probably ain't happening, right? You got to try and wire the field. You got to try and go from that ins- that more inside post than Echo Zulu was. 
uh, nostalgic may have been the biggest disappointment just because she did win the 100-point prep, the Gazelle Stakes, at this distance. And that was a key thing for some people to say, hey, she stalked and pounced going this distance. Just never really fired. Um, any idea what happened with nostalgic? I don't know if, how many times you've watched this trip back to. I've only watched this once or twice. She, I mean, some of these were just a head-scratcher to me, right? Like, I, I feel like this the field size probably affected some of these horses. We talk about how there's 20 in the Derby all the time. Well, none of these horses have been 14-horse races either. So I think the, the field size affects it and affects the trip a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, for me, the most... Yeah, I mean, and steadied. Okay, there you go. Yeah, but the, to me, like I, I thought, there were quite a few war horses that you could kind of draw a line through here and just say, okay, you know, I, like, look, I'll probably bet Kathleen O back next time if she's at Gulfstream Park or if she is in a reasonable prep spot, and I think that she can get back to what she is. She regressed by uh, significantly, both in buyer and time form. So, uh, like, I don't believe this is what she is. I think that you know Castellano got her too far back, and like the same with like. You know, Shahama, I think I'm a little interested coming back next time. I think that horse has a little more upside than necessarily what we saw here. So we'll see where these horses come back. We'll see where there's value. But I have a feeling you're going to see a lot of change of tactics from quite a few of the connections in here. Oh, uh, Echo Zulu, the acorn stakes. Just saw that pop up uh, where she's going to go. It's a one-turn spot at Belmont. Um, All right, Mike, let's go back. The uh, turf sprint stakes. You know what is really frustrating is that you handicap a 13-horse turf sprint where you're like, all these horses with all these prices, look at this, 40 to 1, 10 to 1, 22 to 1, and Wesley Ward just comes in with a 5 to 2 favorite and wins. Yeah, it was frustrating too with how it happened. I thought Arrest Me Red was like in trouble top of the lane and then just spurts away from the field again and and wins by like – Four, it felt like this was like never in doubt. I'm sitting here. I had the one, the three, and the eight, all of which were in contention at one point, and all of which were just blown out of the water down the stretch. So, I guess Wesley Ward, I read Ortiz, they're still the best in sprint turf sprinting, right? I mean, is that what we have to take from this? Sure. <laughs> it was just frustrating that it was like like that it chalked out. It was a great effort from a recipe Red. He overcame some trouble in a turf sprint, which is tough to do. I just it's tough when you get a 13 horse field and a turf sprint Mike is where you always think you're going to get those great prices cuz it's so trip dependent everything's got to go right. All we had to do was just single chalk and move on, really. I guess so. I, I was surprised she was 5 to 2 too. I I, I was expecting closer to 3 to though I think it was 4 to 1 morning line. I was expecting closer to like 7 to 2 somewhere in that range. I had her in in some of the multi-race stuff. Oh, there's a bunny on my screen now. Um oh. I had her in some of the multi-race stuff, but uh I just, yeah, I, this is, I like, I liked Caravel quite a bit. I was kind of bummed that Caravel didn't run any better. Um, and I like Gregorian Chant too. And then he had the rail open up for him and just couldn't get through there and, and burst with the rest we read. Can I tell you why Caravel was a big play against for me here? Sure. Look at what she does when she faces Phillies. Hey, look at all these great stats. She went to Woodbine, faced the boys, lost. Went to Parks, faced the boys, lost. Granted, that horse was juiced to the gills and got disqualified for it. Uh, Breeders' Cuff turf sprint over her head facing the boys. Faces the girl she won. She goes to the boys. Womp, womp. Stop putting her against the boys. Win some grade ones against the girls. Well, I don't know if they have grade ones against the girls for turf sprint. Send her to Ascot. Maybe she'll do over there. I don't know. That's why I think about Carvel. Don't play her against the boys. Eight bell stakes. Matter Rea wins. Even money. Another big press ticket for us in the Racing Dudes. Uh, live bankroll article. Flavia and Pratt looked very good. Is there anything to take from this? We really did love Matter Rea in this spot. Um, not really. I thought she ran well. Uh, she's a very good horse. We'll see what, where she is next. But this, this, yeah, to me, the, the story was she's really good. Like, and we'll, we'll see what happens. That's like four straight for her, something like that. So she's been, been dominant. Um, and so I, I have a feeling that we're going to see her in a, a grade one next time versus grade two. Uh, two straight at seven furlongs as well, a tricky distance. So she seems like that seven furlong specialist. You look at her running style, she can press, she can stalk. Uh, Pratt fits her well. 
Let's keep the body. Let's keep the party rolling with her as long as you stay at seven furlongs. Uh, the Edgewood Stakes, New Year's Eve, bringing a huge surprise. Flavian Pratt on McCulloch. We thought the race news team, a lot of us were big on McCulloch. Uh, a good effort, but not good enough for McCulloch. She gets beat by New Year's Eve. Big shot. Yeah, this was this was frustrating because I had the horses that finished two, three, four. And if you go to the nine uh, New Year's Eve and you realize who beat her last time, it was knees and hips. The, the four horse was a much better price, uh, just not able to get that uh, that W this time around. Um, so uh, and this was one of those I thought was pretty frustrating. But the nine was very gettable. This was this was one of those prices where it made sense to use this horse. Um, you just had to be able to say, okay, you know, second time blinkers is going to help this horse. Or, I'm sorry, first time blinkers is going to help this horse and allow this horse to focus and make a difference. And, and Sias again, the skits of the Sias is a big time jockey upgrade. Shout out to Brendan Wall. She had a bunch of big wins on on the whole weekend. He had this one. He had Santine. Uh, there were a couple others I can't think of off the top of my head, but I know Brendan Walsh had a really big weekend, and he seems like a great guy and one of the good ones doing things. So uh, good to see from there. Uh, the Chad Brown horses, man, they just they got beat by a horse that was probably you're right, fourteen to one. If you look at the form again, I just had it up. She was two for three coming into this, and her one falter, she got third, and then they put blinkers on her after that. So yeah. all reasons to think she could have had it, and we just. Yeah, hindsight 2020, man. It's really easy to look at this. Go, yeah, yeah, we look at that. Chris is dead on. Walsh has been very good. He's been very good at Gulfstream. Did well at Keeneland as well. So he's he's been strong so far this year. Uh, the before that, the oh yeah, the Ali Sheba Olympiad. This was a great one, man. This horse got when Happy Saver had the lead. I thought, oh no, is Happy Saver actually gonna win a graded stay? Oh wait, he's Happy Saver. Nope, never mind. Go ahead. All right, Olympiad's got this. Well, let's let's also look at how fast they came home. One twelve for six furlongs. And they come home at 141 and three sub 12s. They run the 112 to 135 and two. So he, like, we're, we're talking really good time here after even six furlongs at 112 and then be able to speed up is really impressive there from Olympiad, who I thought just ran, ran huge. This horse just seems to continue to get better and better. And also now we saw some fight, which you love to see. So I'm excited to see what this horse does late in the four year old campaign. So this is one of those that you have to start thinking about like the classic and the, the big time, big time uh, uh, older races. He, uh, it was a sub, or it was about 11 and a half seconds that Olympiad was averaging for that final three sixteenths of a mile. Um, yeah, he was cooking. He's great. Listen, Bill Mott between Olympiad and Speaker's Corner has got two really exciting older horses, uh, and he's keeping them apart. One seems like he's better at one turn. Olympiad's like his miler, mile and a sixteenth horse. So, which is odd because Olympiad is the one that's by Spitestown, but you got Medaglia Dora on the bottom. So, there's your distance pedigree. Helps. Yeah, a little bit. The, the first grade one of the weekend, Pauline's Pearl knocking off She Dares the Devil, who had Ava's Grace kind of pressing her a little bit. But Pauline's Pearl continuing to develop very strongly. Hey, she's a curlin, or I'm or sorry, she's a tappet. I have a Dixie Union mare, so you'd expect these things. But this filly, her last four races has just been so spectacular, Mike. Yeah, she just keeps getting better. This is one of those four-year-olds that keeps maturing and taking steps forward. And it's no small feat to beat She Dares the Devil at Churchill. She was five for five coming into this. Um, it's just kind of, to me, the tale of, of two horses, right? You're, you're seeing this older bear at five, and you were not sure if we're going to continue to progress here. And Pauline's Pearl beat her last time out. It was first off the layoff. So that was the main reason why you saw the odds flip here. Uh, CC won that day, the Azari uh, over at Oakland. But Pauline Spurl here takes a nice step forward, third off the layoff. In the, in the four-year-old season, you're consistently seeing these four-race cycles or what we've seen from Aston with the four-race cycles. So I'll be interested to see where she goes next. I would expect a pretty big effort and then maybe a little bit of a break and see her again at, at Saratoga. So, excuse me, I said this for the reaction when I was watching uh, this over at our, excuse me, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash racing dudes. Uh, I think that She Dares the Devil has 
I don't want to say, yeah, I'm going to say it regressed. I think she's regressed lightly um, because she didn't have the same fight in both of those races. That's back-to-back races now I've seen. She dares the devil, get stared in the eye, have something for a little bit, and then kind of weaken. When she beat Latruska in the Azari last year, that was different. Like, Latruska came and challenged her, and she dug in and fought her, but fought back. And Latruska was, uh, you know, had that incredible year. Uh, she dares the devil was my Breeders' Cup distaff pick. And that maybe that race cooked her a little bit too much. She's just at age five, Mike. I just don't think she's quite the same. She's still a great horse. She's not at the elite level in this division anymore. I can I can tell you right now, the next time she wins, I will most likely lose because she's going to keep taking money, and I'm going to keep not playing her. <laughs> so the next time she wins, I will most likely use. I had Pauline's Pearl in this spot. I, I singled her in a couple things. Like to me, this was one of those horses that made a ton of sense. I was with Chris here. I singled her in the two day pick six. Didn't make it to day two, uh, <laughs> so that was kind of frustrating. But it was it, it, like this was one nice way to kind of kick off uh, kick off the graded stakes weekend. And, and I think Pauline's Pearl is legit. I think she's going to keep getting better. So I'm, I'm interested to see where she goes. I'm interested in fading. She dares the devil. Underneath, there's not much here for me. I was a little interested in Battle Bling. I was a little interested in Jilted Bride. I didn't like either of their races, so I'm probably not going to use them next time, especially if they're in this type of field. Uh, hey, shout out Super Mario for the super chat there. Appreciate it. it. Says I think we're seeing one of the greats in Rosario. And yeah, Mike, I think uh, on this show we're big fans of Joel Rosario when he's on his game. I know we, we nickname him the Bell Curve because sometimes you get the really great and sometimes you get the really bad. But oh, well, Joel Rosario was on his game this weekend. I thought. Yeah, I, I, I. I I've tell I talk about how frustrating he can be from my perspective because you're not guaranteed the ride you necessarily always want. But right now, turf sprinting, probably no one better. Um, he is I have not seen him make the crazy Joel Rosario move since like like Saratoga last year, maybe, where it's like, hey, why are we rating this horse? He's been awesome. And then this was a great ride here on Pauline's Pearl. I thought his ride in the epicenter was exceptional. I thought his rides previously on Epicenter were all very good, including like making the lead and then not making the lead and being able to rate with the horse. So uh, I think that he's doing great. And yeah, and that's the thing. It's sometimes you just you kind of scratch your head because like Joel. Come on, buddy. Let's let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And, and sometimes it's the start. Sometimes it's down the lane. But I, like I said, right now, turf sprinting, there's probably no one better in the world than Joel Rosari. And his finish is great. I, like if I have anyone who's in the lead, I don't want him the one, being the one that's chasing me. He's just so heady. This year, it seems like he's definitely taken a, a, another step forward there, too. Um, the one jockey that we think maybe is right there on par with him won the first greatest stakes of the weekend. That is the grade three modesty stakes. That was Bleecker Street beating fellow Chad Brown trainee Fluffy Socks, Handy Woods with a nice third there. But Bleecker Street, another very impressive effort. And Chad Brown just keeps bringing her along. That's now six wins from six starts. Just it's right up the ladder, Mike. Yeah, this one's a little surprising to me because, like, when I saw the Monmouth and the Meadowlands, I didn't give Bleecker Street enough credit, especially when you come back in a $32,000 nominator two allowance at Tampa. It's like usually that horse comes back in a stakes race, like an overnight one or something like that. So I, I faded in the the endeavor, and I learned my lesson. <laughs> and then when you saw when you saw Pratt jump on this horse in the modesty of Churchill, you're like, all right. Like, like, you know, you know, this is this is officially a horse that he wants Pratt to be on at Saratoga in New York. And, like, we've had the Rosario comments. You've mentioned Pratt. The jockey's right behind you, Irad and Jose. I think it'd be interesting if pre-Saratoga, we do a jockey draft for total wins or like set odds in that jockey pool because that race at Saratoga is going to be exceptional. You add Sayas in as well. He'll ride every day at Saratoga where Pratt and Irad and Jose will fly around the country and miss some of those days. So uh, he often is, is in the hunt, even though his win percentage may not be as high. That's so going to be a, an amazing showdown at Saratoga this season. Uh, twice. Uh, once each day, there was an early turf stakes race. Chad Brown, Flavian Pratt, and you just go, God, that's a 
boy, when we get to New York, man, I know we got the rest of the day to worry about. But when we get to New York, this horse is going to be something. Yeah, Bleecker Street was great. Uh, buyer figure-wise, maybe isn't the elite horse for Chad Brown, right? And you t- kind of going back to what you mentioned, the Monmouth and then Meadowlands. I'll forgive Tampa because we know how much he hated the Gulfstream turf course this year. But um, the buyer figures, you know, not progressing to the fact where we think she's going to be an elite horse yet, but there's plenty of time. And maybe the fact that she started at Monmouth and then Meadowlands and suddenly now she's at Churchill Downs winning stakes. Mike, maybe Chad Brown just underestimated her or maybe it took her a while to get going, but she is a lot of fun. Or maybe she's the perfect Chad Brown horse because he's got a ton of the grade one horses. This is a great grade two horse for Chad Brown. Who's just a little bit better than everyone else's grade two horses, right? But has awesome grade one horses, right? So this, I think, Bleecker Street's just going to keep dominating grade two, grade three races, where he's got his his eight, his, his heavy hitters running in those grade one races, where she could probably, maybe, be like third, fourth in those grade one races. But this is just the perfect spot for her, and in his barn, that fills the void. I saw a chat uh, comment. Uh, it's off base a little bit here uh, from Charleston. <laughs> we split get a win yet in Kentucky. Uh, he's been not, a little cold. Not, not but good. But like, look, look. But Pratt had a bad weekend two weekends ago, and Irad was on fire at, at Keeneland. So like, there's, there's this is going to go back and forth. You're going to see some of this. I, Rispoli has been disappointing, but you also have to look at this. Look at this way. Rispoli's not getting the mounts. The Pratt's getting. Rispoli's not getting Bleecker Street. Rispoli's not getting Speak of the Devil. Like there are some horses the Pratt's getting that make this look a lot easier, right? Even Zandon, like. A very good horse, right? So like, he's getting very high-level mounts, or Rispoli is going to have to prove himself to get high-level mounts. So it could be a more – it's going to be more of a grind for Rispoli, whereas Pratt is going to hit the ground running. In Rispoli's defense, by the way, he has not won a race since uh, April 10th when he won the Siren Lure Stakes at Santa Anita Park before he left for Kentucky. So, no, he has not actually won a Kentucky yet. But um, of his mounts in Kentucky, five graded stakes, three times he's finished third. That was the Elkhorn Stakes, uh, the Maker's Mile Stakes with Smooth Lake Straight. We almost won. And then Desert Dawn and the Kentucky Oaks, who we didn't even talk about because why would we? But, yeah. Reese Bully, to your like, you got a great point, Mike. He's not getting the mounts, but when he gets to New York, Maker's gonna like all the top jockeys get spread out. Maker's gonna have horses for him. That's when you want to play him. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting when he gets there. And if, if like when you have three makers, does he get one of them? Right? How does that fall out? And you're also gonna see like certain trainers start giving him a better shot on their good horses that are in medium barns, which I think is interesting as well. Where like, okay, you know, let's say. I don't know. Let me think. Like McCarthy might give him some mounts when he goes out to Saratoga. Things like that, where it, it feels like that. I was going to say, I want to pull this up real quick from quick from Christopher. Uh, do 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 Here it is. Uh, Pratt's officially the Browns' first call on turf, um, and frankly, maybe even dirt. And then someone responded to it down here. I think this is going to be one of the better storylines, right? Because um, here, Desaw saying Irad would be my first call, but Pratt's amazing too. I think it's going to be awfully interesting who gets what turf horses because, like. <laughs> Speak of the devil, clearly the better horse goes to Pratt. But in Italian, Irad's been riding. So, like, would Irad have gotten that mount last year? Probably. Just saying. Like, probably. Same ownership group. Probably. So, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Because I think that's going to be a huge storyline leading into Saratoga and then beyond. Because these are going to be America's best shots at the Breeders' Cup races as well. And it's going to be those two who are banging heads for those mounts. 
That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I. We actually went over, so we appreciate you joining us for a little extended edition of the Magic Mike Show. But, hey, we went through the entire weekend's graded stakes pretty well, talked about the horses that matter. And if we didn't talk about a horse, probably doesn't matter. And if one of those horses wins the Preakness or Belmont, come back and let us know that we completely <laughs> discounted the horse. Uh, wouldn't be the first time, probably not the last. But, again, want to say thanks for joining us uh, for this show. But also, uh, there's 141 of you watching, which is awesome. All through the weeks leading up to the Derby, everybody was great subscribing. The channel blew up. Tons of views, tons of comments, and we're growing a community over there at youtube.com slash racing dudes. Uh, people are commenting on stuff, and we're interacting with you. That's part of building this big community we have. So whether you're in California or North Carolina or anywhere else in the world, it's great to kind of feel connected. So join us over there, youtube.com slash racing dudes. Comment away. There's all sorts of great videos and takes that we have up there. Some of them great. Lots of them not so great post-Kentucky Derby, but uh, it was a lot of fun, Mike. It, it, it was a good derby. Overall, maybe we didn't get epicenter or the winner, you know, the winning bets that we wanted in the derby. A good weekend overall. Yeah, it was a blast of a weekend. Uh, wonderful race. We got to see some stars. Excited to do some, some different takeaways from it on the YouTube content. Going to have five stars of the weekend. Going to talk about specific derby trips and how horses did there, whether or not we're going to play them out of there. And look, Rich Strike won. Never getting to Rich Strike. Just ready to admit that right now. Never going to have that horse. I don't think many people would. So not even really ashamed of it. Uh, you know. So yeah, it was, it was an absolute blast. Looking forward to heading up, uh, heading up to the Preakness. We're going to have a lot of content coming out here in the next two weeks, and we'll have magic uh, a little extra coverage for Magic there next time for the Preakness live show. Also, do not forget we've got the uh, the subscriber tournament coming up on Friday. So uh, if you are a subscriber of anything on, on RacingDudes.com, check out your dashboard page. Uh, the tournament challenge button will be showing up here in the next 24 hours. We've got the tournament on Friday, $10 entry just for Racing Dudes subscribers. Uh, and that we will also give away $150 site credit. And we'll also have a live show on Friday. So make sure you come back and join us on Friday, probably from 430 to 530. Let's cover the end of the tournament and talk about some live racing. Yeah, if you don't know, uh, real quick, there is a uh, $10, it's a $10 entry fee, but if you're a premium subscriber, so any of the uh, the products that we have, uh, the, uh, the Samo Bombs, the premium products, the Rockets, uh, if you subscribe on a monthly basis, you are invited to this special event, the Racing Dudes Tournament Challenge. It's for members only, it's just a $10 entry fee, there's $150 in site credit for horsetourneys.com, and also cash prizes, and the more people who join this, the bigger the cash prizes and payouts for top three become so it's a lot of fun it's very exciting uh it, it things get very intense the, during the live show because we've just got a few races left and suddenly a bomb will come in and the whole thing changes the whole picture of who's leading or not but also i'll be honest especially after the rich strike uh winning the kentucky derby a lot of people think we don't know what the hell we're doing handicapping horses <laughs> you want to prove that we don't know and that you know more than us join the damn tournament put your money where your mouth is at. i should point over here put your money where your mouth is at because the uh, the racing dudes tournament challenge is partly what it's for we want to build that community again like i'm talking about uh tournament style it's a lot of fun some people just really want to try and put us in our place very few people have done it can you be one of them join us right here <laughs> i love it let's go <laughs> let's go let's get out of here all right thank you so much for joining us uh you can follow us on twitter i am at curtis calward he is at Bomb 18 number one, number eight, corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes. The dudes who bet sports will be live here in 45 minutes, so go take a bathroom break, get something to eat. Come on back. Until then, I'm Magic. Go Blues. Go Blues. <laughs> Good luck this week. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels. Never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first.